Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. And you know this year we are continuing to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the signing of the Americans with Disabilities Act. And we have had powerhouses like Senator Harkin, the Secretary of Labor, Tom Perez, uh, Pat Shu, Ted Kennedy, and we're going to have another powerhouse today, which what an honor it is for me to bring you such great guest on the show. Our guest today is the acting director of the United States Office of Personnel Management. And before we get started, for all of our listeners across the country, there's something important I want you to know. As you all remember, I'm a woman living with a disability, epilepsy, and have been, as you know, very involved in the disability community. On her own, on her own, the acting director reached out to me because she wanted me to know how important it is for her to keep a relationship and keep improving the relationship with the disability community. And doesn't that say a lot about her? It is my great pleasure to introduce you for the very first time on Disability Matters, the acting director of OPM, Beth Cobert. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Joyce. It's great to be here with everybody. Well, it's great to have you. And before we get rolling, I thought that, I mean, you have such a great background. But I don't know if a lot of people would know, you. it isn't just a federal government background, because you had a really illustrious career at McKinsey and Company. So here is my first question. What the heck caused you to leave there and join the federal government? Um, thanks. It's a complicated question, but it actually has a very simple answer. Um, you know, the opportunity to serve, the opportunity to make a difference for the American public at scale. When when that chance was offered, I thought, this is this is what I need to do. You know, I've been involved in you know, many things in management and trying to make management better. I've been very involved in the community out in San Francisco where I was from. I come from a family of parents who sort of believe that, you know, community service is the first thing you do in your spare time, not the last. And the chance to join President Obama and the team, to me, was just a unique and wonderful opportunity. It literally sort of happened out of the blue. And when the opportunity arose, I think I made the decision in about 10 seconds flat. Um, and it was a great decision. I... Uh, I actually started, I had my confirmation hearing during the government shutdown in fall of 2013, so I actually got that question from a number of the senators, Um, and I said the same thing. It's the opportunity to make a difference and, frankly, to put in place the many, many different things I learned over the course of my career, and um, I am really delighted that I had the opportunity to join President Obama and the administration and to continue so much great work. Well, we are all delighted, and I have to tell you, um, you know, I come out of the private sector, and I just think it's so absolutely powerful to have the combination of here you are in the federal government leading a huge organization, but you have that private sector background, um, which also brings in, as you already said, What's going on with the American people? What are they dealing with? So I really think that's uh, outstanding. And you were also a leader at OMB. And while you were there, you directed divisions such as the Chief Information Officer's Office. So that's a big job, but I know it was even bigger than that. Uh, Tell us. Tell us about your role at OMB. Um. OMB is a terrific institution. It is, frankly, for someone coming into the government from the private sector, it was a great place um, to start because it has the opportunity to intervene 
and work with so many agencies across so many issues. Um, is the, as a deputy director for management at OMB, I had four statutory offices. One was the federal chief information officer, um, and as everybody on this phone call, I'm sure, realizes from their day-to-day life, technology, information technology, is so critical to everything we're doing these days that getting that right is a big priority. It's a big priority for the president. It was a big priority for us at OMB. I also worked with the Office of Federal Procurement Policy, um, again, helping figure out the best way for the government to procure services it needs from external parties. Uh, the federal controller was part of my office, um, making sure that we're actually doing the right things in terms of smartly managing the government's finances, smartly managing the government's real estate, um, all those kinds of issues. And finally, uh, the fourth group is the Office of Performance and Personnel Management. Uh, we're really looking at how are we doing and trying to get done the things we've committed to, our agency priority goals, our cross-agency priority goals, as well as working in that case quite closely with OPM on personnel issues. How do we bring great people into government? How do we increase diversity in government? How do we make sure that government can take advantage of the great talent that is out there in the country, bring those people to government, and when they're in government, give them the support they need, make sure they're engaged, and make sure that they're doing what they all come to work to do every day, which is to deliver. Wow. When I hear about your background, I can see why you were a absolutely perfect candidate for this role, because you've already done a lot of this. So, uh, you know, experience like that, what can I say, it pays off. Uh, but anyway, Beth, you were talking about, you know, the chance to work with the president and the administration, and no matter what, you know, I know when I met the president for the first time, I was just overwhelmed. I mean, it, it's overwhelming to meet the president of the United States, no matter who the president is, um, but I know it has to be a big deal to everyone when they get, you know, appointed to such an important role in the United States. What did you think? What did you think when President Obama appointed you to lead uh, the largest HR agency in the United States? Well, um, it is incredible, and President Obama is, is amazing. Um, I was incredibly honored uh, that I would have this opportunity. Um, frankly, I was really humbled by the magnitude of the task. Um, you know, I knew that the issues that OPM was and still is dealing with on the cybersecurity front were a big priority, um, a big priority for me, a big priority for the agency. Frankly, it's a big priority. We have folks across the federal government working with us to address these issues. But the beyond that, um, the rest of the work that OPM does is something that I have always felt enormous passion about. When I was at McKinsey, um, beyond serving clients, people take on leadership roles in McKinsey. And the ones I had always gravitated to were about talent management, whether it was recruiting, whether it was evaluation, whether it was coaching and mentoring, whether it was building training programs. You know, I, I firmly believe that Nothing gets done unless you've got the hearts and minds and skills of all the people who are doing the work engaged in the process. And so I was genuinely honored to have this opportunity. A little overwhelmed, but genuinely honored. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine what that would be like, but it is absolutely a great honor. Um, As you said, President Obama is just amazing. And I want to say... He has done so much for the disability community, uh, including recently Section 503 of the Rehabilitation Act. That was written 41 years ago. And that one thing is going to create millions of jobs for Americans with disabilities. But with that, we're going to get ready to go to break. Hey, if you just joined us, we're talking to Beth Cobert, the Acting Director of the U.S. Office of Personnel Management and Obama Appointee. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. 
At Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at benderconsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.benderconsult.com in the U.S., and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com. The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Beth Green and James Maynard, Interrevolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to the Hospitality News Network for a look inside the travel, hotel, restaurant, and hospitality industry. Host Stephen Nicole and his guests will teach you everything you've wanted to know about this fascinating industry. Who knows? You might just want to change your own career path. At the very least, you might end up being a preferred customer. The Hospitality News Network is broadcast live every Monday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back everyone. We are talking to the acting director of the U.S. Office of Personnel Management, Beth Cober, today. And it is such a pleasure to have her. Um, I want to just mention that OPM has transformed the employment of people with disabilities in the federal government. I know very well and heard this discussed many times that not very long ago, the number of people with disabilities in the federal government was declining. Actually, it was less than 1%. And I heard, you know, people from the Obama administration talking about this over and over, but things have changed. And my question to you is, how is the government increasing the employee of people with disabilities? Well, it has been a terrific team effort of folks focused on this. Um, um, as you all know, in July 2010, the president issued Executive Order 13548, which was on increasing federal employment of individuals with disabilities. Um, did this in conjunction with marking the historic 20th anniversary of the signing of the American with Disabilities Act. 
the directive was very clear. It said the federal government, as the nation's largest employer, had to become the model for the employment of individuals with disabilities. And the president set a very ambitious goal, 100,000 people with disabilities into federal service over five years. That seemed like a large goal at the time, as it should have been. And I'm really excited that we have made great progress towards that goal. I say we, but it is really the team at OPM working with partners across every federal agency. In 2011, in fiscal 2012, in fiscal 13, in fiscal 14, agencies have been working hard to implement this executive order, and we're getting results. The government's hired 71,967 non-seasonal, full-time, permanent employees with disabilities, almost 72,000 people. If you add to that part-time permanent employees, permanent employees but who only work on a part-time basis, that number increases to 80,469. If you look at all employees, so you also include temporary workers, we've hired 115,221 people with disabilities. So no matter which way you cut the data, this is significant progress and sustained progress year over year over year. And what feels really good about it is our progress continues to accelerate. We've had a good year in 14, and we are looking forward to continuing that progress in 15. And you know what? This is absolutely phenomenal because how I remember, I was there at the White House uh, when the president signed this executive order, um, and I remember, you know, him talking about, how far we need to go and, you know, where we are right now. And so many other people, Senator Harkin, different people were talking about that and how dismal it was, you know, at this current time, but that we were going to work to change this. Now, I was at the White House at the 25th anniversary of the ADA at the reception And one of the things President Obama talked about is how it has increased the employment of people with disabilities in the federal government. A total change from five years before that. So everything that's happened at OPM, you are all to be commended. Thank you. It's a great team, and their enthusiasm and commitment to this topic is truly inspiring. It's just great. Yeah, I know you have enthusiasm because Michael Murray works there. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And he is, by the way, as all of you know, very well known in the disability rights community, but he is Mr. Enthusiasm. He is a fireball, and I know how excited he is about OPM and what's happened and working with you so... um, he is a he's a great person. Well, I must tell you, you too are very enthusiastic when you talk about disability employment. Um, you have been. You you just seem to keep moving on with this. Can you talk about that? Um, sure. I think you know it starts with my belief that you know. The key to success, as I said before, is getting great people. And anything you can do as an employer that gives you added access to people with talent, in my mind, is a good thing to do. It just makes good business sense to say, where's the talent? Do I have an advantage trying to bring them on board? And if so, how do I bring them in? You know, from my work at McKinsey in multiple contexts, I saw again and again and again the value of having people with different perspectives in a room. It leads to better decisions. I had a client whom I worked with. um, It was a client with a learning disability. And, uh, you know, hard time reading, but this individual, when you talk to him about it, would tell you that that actually helped him become an incredibly good listener. He was, in fact, probably one of the smartest marketers I'd ever met. He had a marketing job. And because... What he was looking, what he was listening for, and trying to understand is what did his customers really feel. He wasn't reading the words on a page, but was trying to really understand his customers, and that gave him an incredible insight. and And he would tell you that without his learning disability, 
he wouldn't have sharpened that insight. So in my mind, what we have is an opportunity for the federal government to, frankly, get ahead and to tap into talent that otherwise will be missing. It's talent that's going to help us make smarter decisions. It's talent that's going to bring us different perspectives. It's talent that's going to have enthusiasm and passion about the work they do. And, again, I get enthused about recruiting talented people. Um, and I think there's lots of places we can find them. The disability community is a great place for us to look for talent. Yes, and it is a great untapped labor pool. And I want to ask you a question. You know, you were talking about that uh, that young man with a learning disability. Don't you agree that once people are working on site, that it makes a difference when when uh, people see other people with disabilities? No, and what, what gets me excited about where we are and the progress we've made is we're starting to get the benefits of the virtuous cycle, right? Individuals are working side by side with uh, colleagues, colleagues with disabilities, and they see the work they do every day. They see how dedicated they are, and they look at that and say, you know, this wasn't that hard, and I've now got this great colleague. We have so many things we can do, and so I think it really becomes an opportunity for each of them to share that story with others and take the next step. You know, there are more people with disabilities in federal service by percentage and real number than at any point in the past 34 years. And that means that there are more people inside the federal government without disabilities who are understanding what this is like and the benefits it brings to them and their mission. And I think that is, you know, that and our the commitment to this is really what's driven the success and what gets me excited about our ability to sustain this going forward. Well, I think that I agree with you 100%, and I think we have a caller on the line. Uh, Peggy, are you on? Yes, I'm here, Joyce. How are you? Um, I'm good. How are you? Good, good. I I just have to tell you, Joyce, because I know you'll be interested. The last I checked, the Pirates were up. Three to one over the Cubs this afternoon. <laughs> oh, that is so such important news. Thank you for telling me that. I'm a giant um, fan. I'm not sure that's such important. News. <laughs> <laughs> and Peggy Beam Jelly is the CEO of the Epilepsy Foundation of Western and Central PA. And thank you for calling, uh, Peggy. Did you want to talk for a moment to Beth? I, I do. I, I really just called in to say thank you, Beth, for your leadership on this this really important issue. And as, and as I was listening to you talk, I was thinking about how exciting it is for those of us who have been working in this field for many, many years to have the support and the backing of folks like yourself um, in your office and the Obama administration. It's so important and, you know, something that we didn't have for many years. And it's so exciting to people um, and advocates who are in the community and working hard, and, and of course to folks who have disabilities. And um, and so I just wanted to call in and say thank you for that and for your continued leadership and everything you've done in the past. And and I I also wanted to say, Joyce, you know, thank you to the corporate community in Pittsburgh, where you know I really think that many of our corporate leaders do get it and have been leaders in in this area and have. Um, created real opportunities for people in employment, um, which has just been a tremendous opportunity, and, and it's just great to be part of this city. And, you know, the Pittsburgh Pirates are, are a real great example of that. So um, thank you so much for what you do, Beth, and um, for providing us with your experience and your expertise and your leadership. Um, well, thanks for calling, and I really appreciate that. I will take the thanks back to the team. They're the people who've been sustaining this effort. I, I get to ride on their coattails, um, <laughs> and that's, you know, one of the fun things I get to do every day. And uh, before you go, Peggy, the number of people with epilepsy is one in what? 26. One in 26. People Many more than a lot of people realize. Yeah, and the reason I brought that up is that, Beth, people don't realize this, but a lot of times employees that they have, for example, in the federal government have a hidden disability such as epilepsy. Uh, They have not disclosed it, but uh, 1 in 26, that's a big amount. Right, right. Well, Peggy, thank, thank you for calling in and have a great day. 
Well, and thank you, as always, Joyce, for everything that you do. Thanks so much for being there for everybody. You're there. You can count on it. <laughs> Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Hey, um, Beth, mm-hmm. one thing I wanted to ask you. Um, sure. What do you feel are some of the other keys that you see to the government's success? Yeah, it, it's a really good question, Joyce, and I've thought about this in the context of the success we have in employment of people with disabilities and many of the other sort of cross-government initiatives that I've seen take hold, both at my time at OMB and at my time at OPM. And I think there's a set of strategies and a set of actions that are making a difference here um, that are important and, frankly, shared and we, can, we, should, we should take some lessons from. Um, the first thing is, honestly, it has to start with leadership. Um, the commitment that President Obama made and the administration made, the willingness to set a goal that seemed ambitious, I think is really important. So that, that's one piece, leadership. Um, there's another piece which, you know, as I came to the federal government from the private sector, um, the federal government is very large and very complicated. It has multiple different entities with different rules and different authorities and different funding sources. And so if you want to make change in a system like the federal government that is large and diverse, you need to have more than one lever. You have to absolutely have to start with leadership, but you also have to think about what are the different things we need to do to make change happen. The executive order on hiring people with disabilities isn't the only thing, but it worked in coordination with a number of other initiatives. The EO to increase the presence of of veterans. The EOs on diversity and inclusion. The power initiative, which protects workers and ensures reemployment. There's a whole set of things. You have to look at the whole ecosystem into which something's operating and think, what are the multiple levels you have to pull to get things done? And finally, you know, we needed a collaboration across entities. So we had OPM, we had the White House, we had OMB, we had the Chico, the Chief Human Capital Officers Council, the EEOC, the Department of Labor, um, and many others who came together to make this a reality. Um, We had a team that was really committed, um, Michael Murray and many others in agencies who really took this on as a personal mission. And the last piece... Um, I'll say, which is actually a key to our success, is having data. We've got to be, if we're going to set ambitious goals, we've got to see how we're making progress. We've got to see the places where we're making progress faster so we can figure out what to learn from them. We've got to find places where things might be a little slower so we can figure out what is it we need to fix to get them on the right path. So leadership, a multifaceted approach, a big collaborative effort, and data. Well, we have uh, an email here from Ginger in Kansas, and here it goes. Uh, First of all, it is an honor to be talking to you and hear what you have to say. I appreciate so much what you're doing to continue the employment of people with disabilities. Do you believe that people will finally see through our hard work how valuable we are? I think the answer to that question is yes, right? It comes from the real live experience of seeing people and the contributions that they're making every day and seeing the value that that adds to the team. Um, you know, we I think one of the other benefits of the work we've been doing in collecting data and tracking this issue and, frankly, Joyce, having you and others holding our feet to the fire, as you should, to make sure we're continuing to make progress is... That way we can showcase the successes we're having. Um, We can find ways for people to learn, as I said, from the places where stuff is working, um, and we can spread those practices more broadly. Um, There is no faster way to improve things in the federal government than find something that's working and copying it and putting it someplace else. We don't have to always invent it from scratch, although we need to do that sometimes too, but um, giving that visibility and making those success stories known um, is really important. And also here we have Tony from Alabama, and Tony says, thank you so much for what you're doing. My question is, if you speak across the country anywhere about 
the employment of people with disabilities, would we know? Would it be on the website? How would we know? Um, the website is a great place to go, and I'm sure we'll find ways to get that out there. Um, I will tell you that I have been focusing most of my time um, around some of the near-term issues we have at OMB around cybersecurity and the like, so I've mostly been spending my time in Washington as we continue to work those through, and we've got a lot of work to do, and we're going to deliver on that. Um, we will make sure that folks know when I'm going to have a chance to get out there. And I'm sure that they would be able to find out, as you said, through your website. But keep in mind that on this radio show, I keep you up to date, and I would certainly let you know about that, um, even if it is, by the way, speaking at an event in Washington, D.C. So just stay tuned, and you'll know what's going on. Um, and, and by the way, Beth, I hope I do hear you speak about this uh, somewhere in D.C. or elsewhere because I can tell you're very committed to this. Uh, and I actually, I think it's so refreshing to have someone in the federal government uh, reach out and speak up the way you have, uh, and certainly as a woman living with epilepsy and disability rights employment leader, I appreciate what you're doing. Thank you. Okay, and now here we go. I can't even believe that I'm asking you this, but you yourself have referred to yourself as a data geek, which is unbelievable to me. I feel like we're at the Pittsburgh Technology Council. Why is this so important to you? Why is data so important to you? So first of all, um, I am a total data geek. I love numbers. I think they are both fascinating and powerful. Um, you know, I, I was a sort of statistical economics major because I liked numbers and I had to write fewer papers in college that way. So I, I do like data. I think data is so powerful, particularly when you're dealing with an issue like this. Without data, you can't make a plan. You can't set a goal. You can't see where you're making progress. You can't hold people accountable. You can't celebrate success. And so having data is absolutely key. And I think one of the powerful elements of the president's executive order was it relied on data. Every agency was required to analyze their workforce and submit a hiring plan. That's data. You know, what are the best practices, whether it's reasonable accommodations, what are retention strategies, what are specific goals? You know, what you want to use those goals for um, is to encourage people to stretch. Um, sometimes we aren't going to reach all of our goals, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't stretch them. We're going to get farther that way. And so having data, having somebody who's accountable for implementing the plans and providing that data, you can also get a lot of insights from data. Right. We're trying to figure out how to increase hiring of individuals with disabilities. And we want to know where are bottlenecks in different places. Is it because we don't have enough applicants? Or is it because when we get through the certification process, people drop out? Or we get to the interview process, they drop out? Or frankly, even if we make them an offer, they choose another alternative? Or maybe there's a retention issue after they come. The actions you take to say, how do we make sure we've got a great pool of applicants are very different from the actions you might take to keep and grow the talent you have, which are also very different to make sure that we're judging people fairly in the interview and certification process. So without knowing where the fall-off is, you don't know exactly what to do if you're not delivering against your goals. That's why we're so focused on things like applicant flow data, hiring data, data from the EBS stores on, you know, the inclusion quotient and other, because that helps us figure out what, to me, data is not the end in itself. It's a way to understand what's working and replicate that. It's a way to understand where problems are and how to fix them. Yeah, well, I always say the numbers don't lie, right? No, the numbers tell a story. That's what I prefer. They tell a story, and you have to understand the story and then act on it. Well, I know that one great way, speaking of data, uh, for agencies, and they have done this, hired people with disabilities by utilizing the Schedule A hiring authority 
for people with disabilities, which I think is phenomenal and has made a huge, huge difference uh, and is just a great way to get people hired, period. Can you tell us how the federal government is doing using that authority and things OPM is doing to increase the usage of Schedule A? Sure, and I think this is a great example of a place where the actions that OPM is taking in partnership with its agencies are using sort of multiple approaches to get to impact. So there's a number of things we've done um, to help agencies use Schedule A. One of those is to provide training in a variety of formats, including online, to help hiring managers and HR professionals understand how Schedule A works and the value of it. So as an example of that, OPM launched a free online course on HR University called Roadmap to Success. It's sort of the basic information and resources on how to hire, how to retain, how to advance employees with disabilities. All employees are eligible to take it, and HR professionals and hiring managers are required to take that course. So that's sort of intro. We then built and are working with agencies on a second, much more in-depth online training for selective placement program coordinators. These are the folks, the managers at the agencies who are working to increase employment for people with disabilities. It's a much more in-depth course. It includes an extensive curriculum, and it actually has a graded exam at the end to make sure people have absorbed the material. And so we want to know that the people who are helping lead this process from an HR perspective understand how to utilize Schedule A effectively and frequently. We also are in this process trying to reach out, as you know, to the disability community to help us get information out. We've got some training programs, and we're engaging in com- with community partners like vocational rehabilitation. Um, these partnerships have really been key in our success in employing people with disabilities, and we actually got recognized for, by the Council for State Administrators for Vocational Rehabilitation um, as the Partner of the Year, which I am really proud of for the agency. And then the last piece, Joyce, is working with you and your team at Bender Consulting. Um, the shared list of people with disabilities is really helpful. This database that has candidates with disabilities who are eligible uh, for employment through Schedule A is a really great tool for folks um, when they're looking to bring people on board. It helps create this pipeline and um, enables federal agencies to tap into qualified applicants and to do so at no additional cost to the agencies, which is a critical factor in a world of tight budgets. Um, everybody also on that shared list, every, dis- every candidate with a disability um, gets help in terms of support with interview preparation and resume development, helping them to be prepared to seize the employment opportunities and to position their qualifications in the most effective way so that the folks who are hiring them can find the people with the talents they need. So um, this has been a big deal. In 2011, fiscal year 2011, 0.98%, so less than 1% of the new hires were appointed through Schedule A, um, uh, we, which was a double. But in 2014, that number was 1.75%, so almost twice as much. And that's something we're, again, we're using the data, we're using partners, we're using training to help make progress. And I want to tell you what I call it. I call it the OPM gift. I say that because (coughs) here you have the ability, if you're a hiring manager in the federal government, that OPM has provided for you to just go you know, find the person, hire the person. I've always said, wow, if they had this in the private sector, like they would die, HR places. If, you know, if you could just, there you go, go, you could find the person. You don't have to have that uh, three, four-week time period before anyone can apply uh, so that I need to hire the person. I mean, I think it is just absolutely Fantastic. And actually, Beth, what you and what you're doing, I think you're a great role model for human resources executives across the country to come up with new, innovative ways to hire people with disabilities, which is exactly what you're doing. Um, So 
kudos to you and your leadership, and I hope other people, businesses listening to the show, I hope you look at this as a very innovative way to make sure people with disabilities are included in the workforce. Well, Beth, I, from just hearing you talk, I think you are committed to seeing people with disabilities not just get hired, because, you know, anyone can just get hired, but I think you're also committed to seeing them move into leadership roles in the federal government. Um, That's what I believe. And if so, I wondered what strategy you have to see that happen. You know, when I worked on issues like this in my um, prior life, to me, again, it comes back to thinking about how are we working through the life cycle. If we brought people on board, how are we helping them to grow, develop their talents, have those talents be recognized, and frankly, um, keep great people doing the work that we want them to do. And so we are doing more work, and we still need to do more on retaining these folks and making sure they have an equal opportunity for advancement. We need to do more to provide them with training, to provide them with encouragement, to help them remain as excited as they are about federal service, because, frankly, we need their talent. Um, So we've got a bunch of different strategies here as well. One is focusing on how to make the federal government an inclusive environment, Um, where everyone can contribute to their full potential. We need an inclusive environment if we're going to deliver government services effectively to an incredibly diverse set of American people. Um, So, for example, we are going to try and um, leverage the Federal Employee Viewpoint Survey. That's one of those things as a data geek that I actually love. To ask employees uh, to self-identify their disability status, and that will give us some data from the EDS score, the Employee Viewpoint Survey, um, to help us understand how agencies are doing in implementing initiatives to encourage and create a more inclusive workforce. Um, we're also doing some things with candidate development programs. Um, that's the training ground that enables folks to get to the senior executive service. We're working and doing training to federal employees around broad diversity and inclusion strategies. Part of what we're doing in the disability arena is holding leadership accountable. Every agency has a senior accountable official. Um, We're working with agencies and affinity groups to build mentoring programs because we know that great mentors are key to individual success. And we're also helping uh, agencies create employee resource groups. And lastly, you know, we are committed to working with agencies to make sure that people with disabilities receive their needed reasonable accommodations to perform successfully. So we worked with the DOD Computer Electronic Accommodation Program with CAP and the Job Accommodation Network to increase awareness of what these accommodations are and how they can be put in place as easily as possible. We do a lot of work on this topic with the EEOC. Um, Things like centralized accommodation funds can be incredibly powerful. You know, the, t- the cost is not large, particularly when you think about it as an agency pool. And so that really removes a barrier, frankly, a perceived barrier. So we're trying to do all those things, and we think we're making progress. In 2014, 16.4% of the new hires of GS-14s um, and 15s, so the senior levels before the SAS, were people with disabilities. That is a great place for us to be and to build from as we go forward. That is the entry ground to the SES, and we need to keep working on that to, to help those individuals, but equally importantly, to help keep that great talent inside the federal government doing our work every day. Wow. Well, that's very powerful. And, um, and something that often hasn't happened, but I believe that when you see people with disabilities move into leadership roles, that is what will make the difference. Hey, before I ask the last couple questions, I think we have Helena Berger on hold. Helena, are you there? Yes, hi, Joyce. Hi, Helena. And Helena is the acting CEO of the American Association of People with Disabilities. Helena, thanks for calling in. Thanks, Joyce. I just wanted to take this opportunity to um, welcome Beth once again. We had a 
an opportunity, I guess, to chat uh, two yep. or three weeks ago. Um, and I wanted to, again, just um, welcome you to your new position and to thank you for uh, proactively reaching out to the disability um, community and to leaders in disability organizations and making that, that connection and engagement. Um, and based on our conversation, I think um, we definitely have a, a strong leader at OPM that's going to continue, I think, um, hopefully seeing those numbers surge in the right, in the right direction. So, I, again, just wanted to welcome you and thank you for your leadership and commitment. Uh, you're welcome. As I said, it's great to have a place where the federal government is taking such a proactive leadership role. Um, and so, you know, it's my hope that all of us working together can continue to build on that. Well, I must Absolutely. say AAPD is definitely the heart and soul of the disability community in Washington, D.C., so I'm sure Helena and her group will be there to help you in any way. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, All right. Helena, thanks for calling in. Okay. Well, you know, I know these last two questions seem to be the most difficult, especially the next one for my listeners, and I've been on the air 12 years now. Actually, thank you to Highmark and Bear Corporation for uh, sponsoring this show for a long time. Uh, But what I wanted to ask you, Beth, is obviously, wow, look what you've done. You've already accomplished so much in your life. Uh, But my question is, what would you consider your greatest accomplishment? Uh, Well, first of all, I'm hopefully not done um, I, I know at a OPM I have a very large agenda to move forward on, um, restoring confidence in our systems, taking care of people who, cyber secure, who were victims of the cybersecurity incidents, and continuing great initiatives like this one. So I, I would just start with one, um, I'm not, I don't think I'm done. Um, in terms of greatest accomplishments, um, other than my family, who I think is great, um, you know, I frankly spend most of my time looking forward. I'm, I am a glass half full kind of person, and to me, it's the opportunity to think about what else can we do? What can we get done? Um, things like this where it really, it just makes sense to do that. I'm a very pragmatic person. Um, and so when I think about that, it's sort of what are the things I've been able to institutionalize and make better? Um, and if I had to pick something, I'd say, you know, there's a whole series of individuals who I worked with at some point in my life. Uh, they were either mentors to me. Increasingly, over time, I was, I was mentors to them. And I look at what they've done, and to me, that's the accomplishment. It's putting them in places where they can exert leadership, where they can make great things happen. And, um, and, I, and I look at that, and that's what makes me really proud. Um, and I think uh, beyond that, the ability to translate what I learned in my life in the private sector to public service um, is something I'm incredibly excited about, and I would definitely put that as a piece of unfinished business because I'm not done yet. You're not done yet. Yes, that reminds me of I received this um, Lifetime Achievement Award at this tribute dinner in (laughs) Pittsburgh, and when I went up front, I I said, I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) I'm still here, and I'm still going to be doing work. Um, and, and I'm glad we have you. And, you know, you're just such a nice person, Beth. You are so you. modest um, because you already have accomplished so much. Notice I said already, at the, but you Thank have you. a long way to go. Thank you. I, yeah, Thank I get you. that. Uh, well, hey, what message would you like to leave with our listeners today? Um, so first, um, a big thank you because I know many of the folks on this phone call and Joyce who work with you are real partners to OPM and the federal government in this effort. Um, so one, I'd like to leave you with a big thank you. Um, I'd like to leave you with the encouragement to keep pushing us. Um, you know, that's how we all are going to get great things done. I know you're not shy um, when it comes to giving us advice, and I and the rest of the team really welcome that. So one is thank you. Two is keep the advice coming. And three, um, I think there's a real story for all of us to be proud of here. It is a story of federal leadership. It is a story of the federal government recognizing talent and putting great talent to work. 
That's what the story about employment for people with disabilities is about. It is about finding talent, putting that talent to work, and then letting that talent shine. And that's, I think we should all be proud of what we've accomplished together. I think we uh, can't be complacent because we have more work left to do. And I think we have a great opportunity to really institutionalize some terrific practices that have enabled us to make progress and that will enable us to make progress as we go forward. So I really would say thanks, keep the comments going, let's keep working, and I really look forward to working with everybody on this really important issue. Well, we look forward to working with you, and I will say once again to everyone, just the fact, and you can, can't imagine how busy uh, Beth must be, and just the fact that she took time out of her schedule to be on this show to message the disability community just says so much. And remember, if you know someone and you say, oh, I wish they would have heard the show, BenderConsult.com, within a day, the show is archived on our website, and VoiceAmerica.com. You can download this show from iTunes and tell everyone you know about it. Beth, thank you so much again for being with us, and I wish you only the best in your leadership role. Thank you very much. I look forward to working with all of you as we go forward. All right. Hey, everyone. I look forward to talking to you next week. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you soon. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff, and management.